Welcome to the Block and Tackle Show, hosted by Carl Block. Carl is a partner in the law firm of Loeb & Loeb here in Los Angeles, California. He will be tackling some of the biggest issues in business today. Listen, learn, and enjoy as he leaves no stone unturned during deep conversations with some of today's most amazing business leaders. Welcome to the show. Carl Block is both a corporate lawyer and a corporate restructuring partner in the Los Angeles office of Loeb & Loeb LLP. Nothing in the podcast should be construed as legal advice. To the extent legal issues are discussed, please consult an attorney if you have any questions or need advice relating to the matters discussed. This podcast may constitute attorney advertising in certain jurisdictions. The views expressed in the podcast are not necessarily the views of Loeb & Loeb or Carl Block. Carl and each guest reserves the right to change any opinions that may be expressed on the show and disagree with what others say, even if such disagreement is not expressed during the podcast. On today's version of the Block and Tackle show, I have uh, a distinguished lawyer from Loeb and Loeb, Paul Rohrer. Paul is the Los Angeles Deputy Chair of Real Estate uh, in the Loeb & Loeb Law Firm, and he's also uh, part of the intergalactic Loeb & Loeb Real Estate Team. He focuses his practice on development, principally for institutional clients, including developers, tech companies, studios, colleges, healthcare providers, and governmental entities. He works closely with public and private entities in the development and operation of buildings and infrastructure. Paul, welcome to the Block and Tackle Show. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be here. Great to see you. You too. So, Paul, you're in a practice area that as much as and perhaps more than many others went through or has gone through or is going through the most significant period of change, um, mostly because the pandemic uh, caused a lot of fissures and a lot of things happened that were crazy and it's affected almost every aspect of real estate. estate. The public markets or the public properties, uh, commercial real estate, residential real estate, uh, industrial real estate, it's all been affected to some degree, how new development happens and how financing happens. What do you see as the biggest challenges today? Right, well, there's a lot of them. And as you said, there's been a lot of large changes from the pandemic. There's also been changes from the financial market. Going first sort of to the pandemic, I mean, you know, if you look back at the plague, the plague is said to have ended the feudal system in Europe, right? It had really big changes for the economy. And I don't know that this was as big as the plague, but I think it does have real changes for our economy. And it certainly had changes for how we're using land and buildings. On top of that, we've now had a really sort of drastic change over the last year in interest rates, right? We've gone from a long period of money being free to a period of money getting back to, you know, relatively, certainly relatively expensive to what it was, right? This is a really steep increase from what it was, but, you know, we're back more at historical levels. Sure. And so when you had all that free money, then I assume you had a lot of risk 
Most people think that developers are cowboys and big risk takers anyway. And then when you're giving them money, you know, it's like giving a gambler money in Vegas, some people might say. So, you know, I assume that in your practice, when money was free, it was a historic level of development. Is that pretty much consistent with where you were? Well, it wasn't just, I wouldn't say just a historic level of development. I would say more, it was a historic level of pricing. Right. So when we think of inflation, we think of the consumer price index here. Uh, we, we were having inflation in terms of building pricing, not based on, oh, the rents have increased. I mean, sometimes that's happened, too. Right. But not based on that, but based on really just the change in underlying cap rates. Sure. OK. And for those people who do not really know much about cap rates, There'll be people watching this who are maybe business owners, but not real estate centric. Can you sort of just explain that? Sure. So it's it's a way of thinking about, about valuation of property. So if you say, well, I wanted my return on my investment to be 3%, then a property would be worth X number of dollars. But now all of a sudden, maybe I want my return to be 6%. So what that means is, is that same building is now worth half of what it was before. So what had happened previously is that by lowering cap rates from sort of, let's say they were at five to 10%, bringing them down to three to 5% may double the value of certain buildings. Well, so the question is, is with the interest rates going up like that, have we now cut those buildings valuation in half and to the extent those buildings have lost tenants, have, have we cut them in even more than in half, right? Which would be a really dramatic change for building owners. Sure. And I assume that if you are somebody who either financed that building at a different cap rate or you own it and you're seeing your revenue stream going down and you're seeing tenants fleeing, whether they quit, um, they went out of business, they left because they didn't have the need whatever it is, now you're seeing a disruptive change in what your ecosystem in that particular building or development is like. Right, right, right. And, so, and you're right too, because it's the two trends hitting at the same place. It's the finance going up. So even if nothing else had changed, well, you'd say, oh, well, your building is now worth half of what it was before because of the expected return on investments to be competitive with just buying a T-bill, right? So so, so we have that on the one side. And then the other side is you started out by saying we've had a pandemic that's changed use. So as a result, we've seen some valuations on office buildings in downtown Los Angeles that are literally like a third of what they were previously because tenants have left or the tenant and the tenants that are there are often saying, well, I have two years left on my lease, but I only want half the space when I go to renew in two years. Right. So you're having you're, you're, you're having more even of an expected contraction in usage. And that's getting combined with the idea that the rates are going up. And so if people have any sort of adjustment also in their financing, that's also going to put pressure on them. Sure. And so I think people have heard about what happened with hotels in San Francisco that basically just gave the keys back to lenders. I assume there may be certain commercial buildings where that's going to be an issue too, which then, of course, gets back to you have a lot of, quote, density in building, but a lot of vacant property. So what is going on in the commercial markets these days? What are you seeing and where do you see it's going to go? Right. So during the pandemic, there was a lot of 
heat around sort of industrially industrially uh, zoned and used property because there's a lot of uh, you know mail order things and 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 uh, shipping and trans shipping repackaging and some manufacturing has also come back more locally because it's being brought back so that area has been relatively stable now I can talk about that later in terms of development because financing has hit that area as well but I'm saying that that's stable in terms of the buildings that are constructed or relatively so the hard places have been office and and, and, and retail both of which had some problems before the pandemic, retail especially, right? We've, we've been aware of the retail issues for years, but of course the pandemic just accelerated it. Absolutely. And, and, um, and I know that we have some really good stuff to talk about later about some of the retail conversions and the stuff you did, but in the commercial side right now, what do you think is happening what's their future do you see new development do you see conversion do you see you know again this is your people are coming to paul when they have commercial office buildings and they're saying this is what's going on i don't want to be in a position where i have to give the keys back to the lender and say hey have fun with this so what do you think is going to happen? What do you see now? How do you see it plays out over the next several years? Well, no, you're right. And this is a lot of what we do is related to development and redevelopment. And people come in and say, I need to reposition. You know, how do I get through the governmental hurdles? How do I get through the financial hurdles? How do I do construction contracts, etc.? So, yes, we're now seeing in office buildings a trend such as we've seen previously with retail. How do you convert it over? How do you do things with it? So first, I think that there has been a change in the idea of what people want for offices. So that's affected office use. And that causes or, or, or you know, leads people to want to change and reformat the office to match the new office usages. Two, I think, right, there's, there's an overabundance of office and people have really talked about conversion of them, as, as you brought up. So, the, so if you wanted to say, well, we sort of t- started with our mega trends of what's affecting development of saying, well, you've got financing, you've got the pandemic, and together we have a perfect storm. Well, on top of that, you have an issue, especially in California, with housing. And people have said, well, our real problem is a shortage of housing. So we might be overbuilt with retail, we might be overbuilt with offices, but we're underbuilt with housing. And folks are starting to ask, what do we need to do to convert? And and we've you know, obviously spent some time doing conversions previously um, d- during other uh, other periods, but also now we're looking at how to do those conversions. Sure. And so part of what I think people will want to understand and, you know, hear us talk about today. So as you know, in almost any area of business, there is some fear of missing out, oh, so-and-so did this, and so we've got to do this. And people may come to you with their, you know, with a commercial building and say, oh, I don't have tenants. I've got to convert to X. I've got to convert to some kind of mixed use or whatever it is, retail, residential. And they come to you and they want to talk to you about it. And because it worked for somebody in Nashville, you know, I've got to do this in North Los Angeles. And from my understanding is there's all kinds of buildings in the commercial space, and some of them are very well suited 
for conversion and some aren't. So when you have people come talk to you, what kinds of things are you guys talking about? Right. And you just hit it, right? The problem is we get trends in everything. And you think even when there was big money on it, there wouldn't people wouldn't be subject to trends, but of course they are. So I think we, we've all seen news where people say, oh, the solution to homeless people in downtown Los Angeles or San Francisco is to put them in office buildings, but that's very expensive. So so let's talk first about, as, as you asked, like, what are the sort of buildings that are sort of the low hanging fruit, the easy ones to convert? And, and the, this has started before, um, the pandemic. We've seen this shift, I think, in lower midtown Manhattan. We've seen it in downtown Los Angeles and a little bit in some other markets, too, where the older office buildings that were built with smaller floor plates, meaning the floors, each story was a little bit smaller than they would be now, say 15,000 square feet versus a more modern 25,000 square feet. Those offices for a while now have been being getting converted into residential use. Because if I were building a residential tower and stacking it with apartments instead of offices, I would probably build it at a 15,000 square foot floor plate. So those buildings are, are more easily convertible. Now, obviously it's expensive because residential usages are different from uh, non-residential usage, but you are getting the shell, you're getting certain infrastructure systems there. And often you can get those at a bargain price and you may be able to get them, you know, going forward at even more of a bargain price where it makes sense to use it. Uh, that sort of housing has not been cheap. I don't think any high rise housing is as inexpensive as low rise housing. So that has been an issue for when people want to create affordable housing in dense urban locations. So, so, so this has been more used traditionally um, for market rate housing. But I think there's real consideration now being given to using this for affordable housing, and it may be possible. Sure. And do you, when you see this shake out, like again, when there's so much disruption, how when do you think we may sort of have enough institutional knowledge and expertise about what works and what doesn't to know if again these buildings with uh small floor plates are actually going to be successful at either market rate housing for the gentrification or affordable housing do you see this being very bumpy for the next couple of years do you think that this could be this trend could no longer be a trend sooner sooner than people think. What 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 are you looking at here? No, well, I think I think that this is a real trend and it is a real way to use those office buildings. I do think though that in the short run, right, we have bumps that are more financing related than uh, usage related. So the problem we're having now, it, as 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 you sort of brought up, is is capital markets for financing of buildings have have of any sort are really sort of caught in a tough bind right now. We have interest rates have increased. So if you go to borrow money, it's more expensive. And we've had, as we talked about this sort of increase in cap rates, we have uh, investors, equity investors, wanting more of a return on their money. So you're getting squeezed in both places. And we've also had really high increases with, with construction costs that haven't yet come down. People are saying, oh, we think they're going to come down, but they haven't yet. 
we've also had a squeeze for financing on the regional banks, as, as we've seen by some of the bank failures. I think we had one yesterday. As we've seen from, from these bank failures, we've um, some of the regional banks are really squeezed by the fact that they've put money out long term and they're taking money in short term. So that sort of lending source isn't there anymore. That affects um, all sorts of developers, but it, and it affects the the market rate residential developers. The interesting thing is it doesn't really affect uh, the, the, the typical affordable housing developer. So I would expect to see these conversions start moving in the direction of um, affordable housing, at least in the short run. Thanks for tuning in. If you want more info on the show, please visit blockandtackleshow.com. And you can also email me at carl at blockandtackleshow.com. Thanks for tuning in.